1: Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the review show for episode 43 where we discuss the rise of the far right with Hope Not Hate board member and center-left NEC candidate Gurinder Singh Josan. I'm Connor Pope and I'm joined by my colleague Hannah Shah to discuss the week. Mm-hmm. With Tommy Robinson's release from prison this week, the podcast seemed particularly timely. Before me and Hannah have a chat, we just want to hear a clip of Richard Angel talking about that story on Talk Radio on Thursday. Tommy Robinson is not some truth teller. If he wanted to see vile rapist be locked up, he wouldn't be trying to jeopardise the trials that were taking place, a claim that he did uh, plead guilty to um, in those court proceedings so this is not a good man sometimes a stop clock might be right twice a day but the objective for this man is to get his youtube followers get his facebook followers up but he it's is trying to cultivate this celebrity style status that we should be careful to not play into this is a dangerous man who is uh, uh, aligning himself with supremacist tendencies here and abroad and the old The Today programme ran an interview with Raheem Kassam, former editor-in-chief of Breitbart News London and former chief advisor to Nigel Farage, where he said that Islam was a totalitarian and fascistic ideology. I missed the interview with Raheem Kassam, but it seemed...
0: So thankfully did I.
1: (laughs) But the coverage of it, it didn't sound like he was having uh, a particularly rough going over.
0: No, it was reported that the interviewer quoted some things that Steve Ballin said and asked him to comment. And also I think it was very surprising that they chose to have him on on his own. Mm. You wouldn't expect to see a member of a far-right group be interviewed on Radio 4's flagship news program without any kind of rebuttal or reply uh, when that's pretty much the standard way that Radio 4 tends to tackle controversial issues, whether it's medical ethics. Um, I think there was a case recently where they were discussing assisted suicide and they had, you know, both sides on. um, There seems
1: to be a kind of presumption that with a view as extreme as that, uh, Mm. that the viewer will take the alternate view themselves, or the listener, rather. Um, And so that the opposition and the balance that you're finding is between all normal people who will listen to an interview with Raheem Kassam defending Tommy Robinson and think this is obviously stupid and and evil um but you can't take that presumption can you that
0: no and I think part of the thing we've seen with politics is we take that presumption too often right we presume that people are as progressive as they say they are they are and actually as progressive as we are and and we know that that's not the case if you look at polling when you look at who votes for whom you can tell that people actually harbour lots of views uh, that we might not consider to be appropriate for the society that we live in.
1: And as Richard was just saying, uh, or as we mm. just heard him say there, that, that all of this story seems to be part of this cultiva- uh, cultivation of Tommy Robinson as some sort of kind of like uh, freedom fighting English folk figure. Um, it's which- incredible, isn't it? And, but the way that, that that clearly seems to be the the, the you know the free Tommy hashtag um, uh, that, that, that's kind of spawned up and the uh, and the the level of um, attempts at art, which <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I don't know if some of you've seen with you know Tommy Robinson with with a gaffer tape over his mouth and this kind of stuff or being hanged by um, Sadiq Khan outside of the Tower of London uh, for daring to speak up about things. That that is that is the the, the obvious um, uh, kind of framing for all of this that they're going for. That it's not it's not really about uh, racism and that sort of thing, but it's about um, being Patriotism a truth, truth speaker. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, I think you're looking at it, and it seems like they're going okay. First stage, Braveheart. Second stage, Tommy Bloody Robinson. And what I think's very interesting about this too is that he claims and his supporters who are in this country but also in the U.S. and further afield um, have essentially created him as a martyr. And this is a really interesting tactic because it's a tactic you see a lot in Islamist extremism, the creation of people as martyrs uh, to their cause and the idea of, you know, that's where suicide attacks come from is The idea that by being a martyr to this cause, you will achieve something greater than yourself. So Tommy Robinson is no longer Tommy Robinson. Tommy Robinson is the death of free speech in our horrible modern world. He is the everyman. So
1: it says here that The Independent reported that 35% of Twitter accounts that have used the hashtag Free Tommy Mm -hmm. were based in the US. And so actually this coordination doesn't necessarily seem to be a kind of grassroots British-based... Thing but a more international aspect. What what do you make of the, the international elements of, of this?
0: Well, I think as we discussed on the podcast, it's really concerning. I actually, Hope Not Hate have done some really interesting and really important investigative work on this, looking at the links between different far-right groups. And so you can see Gert Wilders, who's a Dutch politician and incredibly Islamophobic, spoke at a free Tommy Robinson rally. Alex Jones of InfoWars has donated to keep his website running.
1: Alex Jones, by the way, I'm I'm not sure if everyone will know who he is, but yeah, he runs this website, InfoWars. He's a kind of famed far-right conspiracy theorist in America. He has an enormous following. He's
0: a very angry man. Yeah,
1: a number of his podcasts have just been taken off Spotify Mm. because uh, people complained about the platform being used to spread this kind of hate. He's currently being sued by parents of victims uh, of the Sandy Hook ma- massacre because mm-hmm. he claimed that they were I think he's all... He's also counter-suing as well. Yeah, he may is... be. He's, he's very much that kind of person. <laughs> but, but, so he's played a big role in this as well, you were saying?
0: Yes, absolutely. So he's donated money to Tommy Robinson to help run his website. And as I was doing the research for this, a number of... So another woman who runs advertising campaigns on transport around the US saying how horrible Muslims are have also donated to Tommy Robinson. This is not just one person. There's an entire network of people on the far right. Uh, I think as well, the Canadian people who now employ Katie Hopkins, remember her? They've also donation supported to Tommy Robinson in the past. So you can see a network of, got a network of hate, sounds yeah. very slogan but it is a network of hate that's being cultivated and supporting this free Tommy movement. This is not... You know, one small man fighting against the establishment, like people would like to have you think it's a coordinated set of attacks created by people who want to change our politics. And actually, I'm sure you'll agree, Conor, like we're at a really vulnerable point mm. now with Brexit and with no like strong opposition to the Tory party.
1: That seems it kind of touches on what we were talking about a little bit the other day about Steve Bannon and his plans to build better international links between far right and nativist and nationalist movements around europe and that seems very different from actually what we have seen in the past. I remember my the first protest that I ever went to uh, without mm. my parents was um in two thousand and six and the BMP had their annual conference in hotel in blackpool and so i was about 15 me and my a friend of mine from school it was on the on the saturday i think we got the the train over together and we went on this protest i think i'd been on some you know anti-fascist um email list so we'd we'd got an email about it and we went over you know and did all the chants but what what was kind of striking to me about it was how crap this conference looked it was in a really dingy hotel Mm. it was clearly tiny and there was obviously more people on the counter demo than, than actually inside the conference centre. Mm. That is a long way removed from where we are now. But yeah, we, you know, we, went, we went to the protest. Um, I bought a copy of The Socialist Worker, not knowing any better. <laughs> um, I remember some uh, uh, an elderly couple on the train back gave us their copy of The Guardian because the news about the protest taking place was, was in there. So they gave it us to, to look through. And I got home. And I put the socialist worker down on the kitchen table. My mum made me um, hide it away in my room before my dad got home. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first uh, kind of protest that you went on?
0: Uh, so my first protest was the fees protest in 2010. Heady days of 2010, was it 2010? Yeah, it was, it was 2010, yeah. 2010. And that's and when the
1: first ones were. So that's in, when the first the, ones in, were. In the kind of autumn.
0: And I have a really strong... Attachment to this, because the year I went to university was the first year we had to pay 9K in fees. Oh, really? Uh, (laughs) So I lucked out there. Thanks, Mum. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) And I remember my parents did not want me going on a protest. I didn't even tell them. I remember texting one of my friends and sneaking out of school to go on this protest. Uh, Yeah, it was really cool like that. Um, None of my friends from school wanted to come with me, so I was on my own. Met up with my friend and just ended up in the middle of some anarchists. Great time, yep. um, wandered around and then was late for my dinner because I was kettled and, not going to lie, didn't know what to do, was very confused in the middle of lots of anarchists and made to stand there for quite a long time. And I think eventually, this is exactly what happened, it's so embarrassing, I went up to one of the scary-looking people in riot gear, one of the very nice police officers, and I was like, close to tears and i was like my mom's asking me where i am i need to go home for dinner because she doesn't know i'm at this protest and she was like do you have any idea and i was like yes i have my child zip oyster card (laughs) and she let me through and i was like proper pathetic like proper pathetic i did enjoy it but i didn't end in a blaze of glory
1: so i was also on that protest i'm a few years older than you and I also got kettled at that protest. They did not let me out for a long, yeah, long time. You look time far afterwards. more
0: hardcore than I do. <laughs> 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 People Absolutely. look at Connor Pope my, and they're like, this guy, my, he fights a fash. My, my lasting memory
1: of, um, of that protest was, um, it was a time when there was lots of, we were on Whitehall and there was lots of roadworks mm. all the way up. And so they dug up huge chunks out of the road, which were obviously behind fences and stuff like that. But as the kind of kettle went on for longer and longer, the fences got thrown down and people kind of climbed into the big holes in the ground which essentially were a lot like trenches like (laughs) so we kind of got there just to get out of the wind and stuff like that and there was there was girls who were probably around your age at the time yeah who had also bunked off school they were in their school uniform and to keep warm we were burning their exercise books (laughs)
0: That's true trench warfare uh, for you.
1: And they, to be to, to their credit, they didn't go and cry to police officers about their mum worrying about them. They stayed to the bitter end with us.
0: <laughs> well, they didn't have Asian mums. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Maybe. Um, anyway, we should move on to this week's political pub quiz question. We asked which Hollywood baddie did Steve Bannon compare himself to? I think the other two examples he used were Dick Cheney, and satan the third the one we were looking for was darth vader um, mm. he said darkness is good look at dick cheney satan and darth vader congratulations to reese hayes and sean woodcock who answered that one correctly sean woodcock answered that one first so we'll send out a mug to him um, Tom Devlin also answered last week's question correctly, but I just missed the email about Sheila's invitation to Bolton West CLP. Uh, he also left us lots of lovely feedback, uh, which we're going to go through in a future review episode. I think yeah, there's, it's there's a, lot, there's a yeah. lot there. So Tom and Sean, if you do please send in your addresses. We will, to office at We will send you a mug. That's all we've got time for. But we'll be back with a new episode on Tuesday. Uh, In the meantime, please do give us a rating on iTunes, leave a review and don't forget to subscribe. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast. The music is When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And this episode was produced by Carolyn Crampton.